This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. This is the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio. That's where Michelle Smallman is right now. She's not here with Evan or Canty on Unsportsmanlike, but you've got Courtney Cronin and Mike Rothstein filling in here on ESPN Radio for the rest of the week. Happy Thursday to you and yours. We've got some football tonight in the NFL. We've got bowl game action throughout the day as well, inching closer to getting into the thick of week 17 and into bowl game action over the weekend, New Year's Day, CFP semifinals, which you can hear right here on ESPN Radio. In that week 17 slate, there will be a different quarterback, Mike, for the Denver Broncos. It will not be Russell Wilson. He was benched officially on Wednesday. We have not heard from him publicly. We did see that he tweeted last night. He believes that his path, at least from what you can take, that he'll be fine. And he will be because there is a lot of guaranteed money left on his contract. And what from what Sean Payton said, this was a football decision not a financial decision, but it's hard to not read through the tea leaves to read the reports that are out there that the Broncos wanted him to do this weeks ago to change the guarantees, effectively restructure his contract so all of these triggers that come into play could get pushed back. He said no. They said, well, sorry, sir, you are benched. They did. That's exactly what they said. And it's... It's not surprising. Honestly, one of the things that bothers me the most about this is that Russell Wilson didn't talk. Before people say, oh, well, but you know, like what? No. Do you think he will today? I hope he put this way. Maybe that's a Broncos decision that he didn't it, it is. It is possible it was a Broncos decision. That, I, I'll give him that caveat. However, I've also learned, you know, this is a PR thing. You never want to make a one-day story a two-day story. And by not having Russell Wilson talk yesterday, you're turning a one-day story into a two- or potentially three-day story because guess what, Courtney? We would probably not talk about this as much on Friday when we're hosting Unsportsmanlike if Russell Wilson talked yesterday. It would be over and done with today, and you wouldn't be dragging this out. And I bring this up because, so I cover the Atlanta Falcons. They have benched Desmond Ritter twice this year. You know what Desmond Ritter has done both times the day he was benched? He talked to the media and answered whatever questions were there. This is a kid in his second year in the league, 16 starts. I just want to point that out. Tommy DeVito was also benched yesterday in favor of Tyra Taylor. Tommy DeVito talked. The fact that the younger quarterbacks are talking and Russell Wilson didn't, because that's the other thing, Courtney. It can be a Broncos decision all they want, but Russell Wilson's a grown man, and we've been in locker rooms. If Russell Wilson wanted to talk, guess what? He could have talked because they weren't going to cut him. Yeah, no, not now at least. I mean, it's all headed that direction for the offseason, but Russ is a veteran. He's in his 30s. He's been doing this for more than a decade. If he wanted to talk, I'm with you, Mike. He could have. We'll see if that happens today. Sean Payton did talk, though. This was the topic of conversation after he announced that Russell Wilson would not be starting, that it would be Jarrett Stidham in Week 17, which is supposed to give them a spark. That's questionable. But let's hear from the head coach from the horse's mouth right here, Sean Payton, on the decision to bench Russell Wilson. I understand all the the speculation and everything that surrounds a move like that. And I can tell you we're desperately trying to win. 
And sure, in our in our game today, there are economics and all those other things. But the number one push behind this, and and it's a decision I'm making, is to, you know, get a spark offensively. Now here's what Sean Payton had to say about the perception around Russell Wilson that he's being thrown under the bus for some of the issues within the organization. I get that. And, and yet I can't replace the entire offensive line. I can't bring in five new receivers. And if it continues over a period of time, then there'll be another guy here talking to you as well. I can just assure you one thing. I'm just interested in winning. Job security. That is what I heard within that. There will be another guy talking to you all, meaning the media, if if he were to go about it a different way. And yes, this offense is not just a Russell Wilson problem. The offensive line has been all over the place. They're wide receivers. Like that's going to be a big focus for them in the draft. It's been Cortland Sutton, and then it's been no one else that's been yeah. able to con- establish this connection with Russell Wilson. But the buck always stops with the quarterback, Mike. And even though Russell Wilson had made strides this year in terms of, you know, top 10 in touchdown passes, uh, you know, passing yards, it's the elements of the offense like third down inside the red zone in, in critical situations where they failed. And that ultimately rests on Russell Wilson. But for Sean Payton to say that this is solely a football decision and going to Jared Stidham, that doesn't give you a better chance to win. You have a 9% chance as it is right now at 7-8 and eight to make the playoffs. If they lose this week, we're going to be saying, yeah, that was probably the wrong decision. This is strictly a financial decision and thinking ahead to 2024, knowing the consequences of the contract that Russell Wilson was signed to before Sean Payton got here. I think it's a little bit of a football decision. A little bit, not a lot. But it's a little bit of a football decision, too, because there have been games where Russell Wilson hasn't played particularly well, and the completion percentage when it comes to Russell Wilson is a little bit flawed because a lot of it is short passes, and while short passes are happy passes, that can you know push up that completion percentage number versus what they're really able to do offensively. But Sean Payton's right. Their offensive line has had issues. Their receivers, other than Cortland Sutton, has not been great. Javante Williams, their running back, could use some help in the backfield as well, but it comes down to like what Courtney, and honestly, part of it's on Sean Payton too, with the play calling decisions on third down in the, in the red zone, in those critical spots. So it's an amalgam of everything. That's a big word. Sorry, Pat. It's an amalgam of everything that has gone on throughout this, this year. But I think some of it is a football decision because sometimes just having somebody new there will energize people. And sometimes people, you know, when they want it, they feel it's stagnating. They want to make a change. And I think that that's kind of what Sean Payton is doing here. But you're right. That that clip specifically was job security. And honestly, Sean Payton throwing everybody except for his running back under the bus. Including the front office that made yeah. this move before he got here. So let's rewind a little bit. In January of 2022, when George Payton, the, at that time, second-year general manager, was flying around the country, going to interview Jared Mayo, going to interview Nathaniel Hackett, going to interview a multitude of coaches. I don't know if there was an organization that went through a more exhaustive search for their next head coach than the Denver Broncos. And then they land on Nathaniel Hackett. Why? Because they were promised that Aaron Rodgers would eventually make his way to Denver. Well... That didn't happen, and then they pivot and say, all right, well, what else can we do? Regretting now the panic move that led them to Russell Wilson, thinking that they could get the Seattle Seahawks Russell Wilson version to 
transform himself at this phase of his career into the Denver Broncos locker room. That didn't happen. And the issues that plagued Russell Wilson, I'm looking at some numbers right here, during like the back end of his career with Seattle, like the decline in mobility, the compromised work that he had outside of the pocket, um, that's been prevalent ever since he got to Denver, whether it was Nathaniel Hackett calling the offense or, or Sean Payton. The two worst seasons of his career – came with the Denver Broncos. And this was supposed to be an offense that was similar to what he ran in Seattle to get that version, to get the let Russ cook version of himself back to where it needed to be. I don't know if that version will ever see the light of day. And I know that I'm not telling you anything groundbreaking here because of his age, because of the hits that he's taken. You, you made a great point earlier when we were talking off air that, what is he, 34 years old? 35? 33, 33. He's he's up there. Like, that's probably closer to 38 or 39 with the amount of hits that he's taken over the course of his career just based on the way that he played his game when he was playing in his prime. And that's something you've got to consider if you're the next team that's going to bring him in in anything other than a backup role. Like, if you're expecting Russ to be your starter, that comes with a massive risk, and you can just watch the situation and how it played out in Denver to realize that that might not be a risk you want to take if you're 30, 30 other teams. Well, not only that. Well, yeah, he's not going back to Seattle. Yeah, I know. Uh, like, I'm like, that, minus one, minus two, so that's well, 30 yeah, I mean, you other can teams mind, you can that mind, There's probably only, like, four or five teams. Because when you're talking about Russell Wilson, too, there is a personality situation there because if you remember, and you talked about it earlier, that when Sean Payton came in, he was asked about all of the other people that are in the war, the Russell Wilson orbit that showed up when Nathaniel Hackett was there. And I don't know of a lot of coaches that are going to stand for that, especially with the play you're getting from Russell Wilson now. If Russell Wilson was MVP level Russell Wilson, then you're probably allowing a lot more than you will now. And Russell Wilson has to be okay with that. But... Remember, too, in Seattle, he was kind of a polarizing figure in that locker room also, part of why he ended up moving on to Denver. And we don't know what it's been like. At least I don't, at least I don't have any insider knowledge there, insider knowledge there about what he's been like in the locker room with the Broncos. But you need to, if you're Russell Wilson, you kind of need to check where, you're, where you are right now and decide whether you want to kind of continue doing this. Because some of how Russell Wilson plays, that's the off-field part of it. The on-field part of it, He's taken so many sacks because he has a very, very good deep ball, but he holds on to the ball for a long time. And I don't know if he's going to be able to change his game enough to do that going forward because eventually it will come back in an injury way and eventually those hits will continue to add up, whether he's holding on the ball too long or if the offensive line isn't playing as well, which we also saw in Seattle for a few years as well. We're a long way from uh, let Russ cook. Yeah, and those years where he was always in the MVP conversation but never got a singular vote, like all of that, gosh, I just like that feels like that was forever ago, but that was 2019, 2020. That's a long time in football like, parlance. In football like that's an years, average NFL player's goodness. career there. I know, and that's the crazy thing about it, how long he's been able to, since those days, continue on his career and finesse a team to giving him a $242.6 million contract at this phase, he's got to ask himself the question, does he want to play football anymore? He's got more money than he knows probably what to do with. His wife is a famous superstar singer. Like, at this point, do you want to go compete for a starter's role? Like, to actually compete and not have it handed to you? Can you handle that? 
There are a lot. There are not a lot of people who can go the Carson Wentz route and go effectively be an intern for Sean McVay in Los Angeles or go the route that some of these other quarterbacks like Baker Mayfield have had to go to revive their career. I don't know if Russell Wilson's capable of that because nothing at any point of his career has shown me that he's willing to take a backseat to anybody. So we'll see. No, I mean, it's he's not. It's going to be the talk of the offseason as the quarterback carousel inevitably starts picking up some steam here, although I don't know if we're going to see as much movement. At least it doesn't feel like it because there's no notable retirements or like big ones you know, pending like we had Tom Brady coming down the pipe last year. There's no big trades that we expect like we saw with Aaron Rodgers. Maybe he goes off quietly. I don't think he wants to go be a backup anywhere else, so we'll see what happens the, here, and we'll see if we end up getting to hear from him at some point in, in the coming days, Mike, because this is going to be an interesting one to see what he has to say. We're going to leave this here. We'll come back to this before we uh, we get out of here today, but straight ahead, we'll switch gears to college football, the CFP coming up over the weekend. Will Michigan walk away as the one-seed national champions? It's coming up next on Sportsman like ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. It's demon time on Prize Picks, where you can now win up to 100 times your money. That's right, 100, 100 times, times your money. money. With as little as four correct picks, you can turn $10 into $1,000. Demons and goblins are the newest and most exciting way to play at prize picks. Squares marked with red demons or green goblins get you different payouts. And as always, prize picks is really simple to play. You can make your picks and submit your entry in less than 60 seconds. They even offer injury insurance so that your entries stay in play even if one of your players gets injured. Quick withdrawals, easy gameplay, and an enormous selection of players and stats types are what make prize picks the number one daily fantasy sports app go to prizepicks.com morning and use code morning for a first deposit match up to 100 that's prizepicks.com morning code morning for a first deposit match up to 100 prize picks pick more pick less it's that easy this is the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio. Big ones coming your way on January 1st, the college football playoff semifinals, the Rose Bowl presented by Prudential, that is Michigan and Alabama, followed by the All-State Sugar Bowl taking place between Texas and Washington. We will get back into all of those games, break down the matchup. Coming up here on Unsportsman like Courtney Cronin, Mike Rothstein sitting in for the crew on this Thursday morning. The show presented by Samsung. Samsung is awesome. Let me tell you why. This Saturday, get game time ready with a Samsung bespoke four-door flex refrigerator with Family Hub Plus from the Home Depot. I'm looking over at my fridge right now. 
because I'm you know sitting in my living room. My fridge is over there. Mike, I know you and your home setup. You're close to your kitchen. Um, I don't have me. a fridge that is the four door super hub something something that I just said from Samsung. But I'm hoping maybe if we say it enough here on Unsportsman, like we can get sponsored for one because mine looks very basic compared to yeah, my, this mine is Batman like a... sounding machine that uh, cools <laughs> food, and I would assume it has a freezer with it too. Mine's like a two door coupe. It just doesn't quite fit nearly <laughs> enough in there uh, as I would like it to. <sighs> now now you're making me hungry, Courtney, and realizing that my fridge is empty and I need to go food shopping later, so appreciate that. You know, that's what I'm here for. Um, at least you didn't get benched. At least you didn't lose your job. That's a segue. Well, like, we, we've uh, got Tommy 40 DeVito minutes. <laughs> yeah, anything can happen in 40 <laughs> minutes. Um, so we were talking about Russell Wilson, and we will see if we hear from him today. I I'm with you. I think it is a little weak that a veteran quarterback like that did not talk on the day that he was benched. Quarterbacks typically, for most teams, talk on Wednesdays. He did not yesterday. He broke his silence on Twitter. He very, you know, in layman's terms, kind of put out that he feels like he's going to be okay. His path will be whatever it is going forward. Short tweet. Tommy DeVito, on the other hand, who's a rookie, an undrafted rookie for the New York Giants, started a handful of games, got benched midway through the Christmas Day game against the Philadelphia Eagles, where the Giants had a chance at the end to win. It was 33-25, and Tyrod Taylor ended up leading the team down the field there. They couldn't get it done, but Tyrod Taylor will continue to start for the New York Giants. And I was reading some quotes from Tommy DeVito and just kind of hearing his perspective. Look, he was thrust into the spotlight, whether you liked his agent or not for being as boisterous and in your face with the, you know, Paisan hands and the outfit and the fedora, all of those things. Tommy DeVito capitalized on his moment, but once he knew his moment was over, um, he talked about what he learned and he said that I belong in the NFL specifically, just go out and prove to myself to the younger me, to the me that was training to be here to this point, that's all it is. And he said he didn't know what the future holds. I think it's pretty obvious he's at least played his way into a backup role. But the number one thing that I came away with was the perspective that when you're doing great, everyone loves you. And when you're struggling, you are the brunt of every joke. Yep. You are the subject matter that gives us fodder to talk about here on, on sports talk radio, on TV. And Tommy DeVito, to be a you know in his early 20s, to realize that where a lot of guys get defensive, they feel like it's a personal attack on them and that it's not a business, even though they say they know that. Um, I just felt like that was a really self-aware moment that deserves to be given some some credit because not every quarterback handles it the way that the undrafted rookie in New York did. And who knows if he ends up starting again at some point. Could be this season, could be next season. But I, I, I'm happy with the chapter closing, at least for right now, on Tommy DeVito, given the way that he handled it at the end of his starting time. Well, he uh, – two things there. One – it's New York, and New York is so much harsher when – it's so much bigger when you win, but it's harsher when you lose because you're the back page of the Post, the back page of the Daily News. I grew up there, so you see what the back page of the Post and the news do, Daily News do, and it can sometimes be vicious. Mm -hmm. So you have to understand that, especially as the quarterback of the Jets or the Giants. That's just the reality, but I think what helped Tommy DeVito in this situation, something that did not help, oh, I don't know, say Zach Wilson – Chad Pennington, some other quarterbacks that have gone through struggles early on in their careers in New York is that Geno Smith is this. He grew up there. 
He grew up in Jersey, so he understood exactly what he was getting into in terms of the New York media market, which is different than any other media market in the country. He understood it because he grew up around it, and he saw it, and he, he kind of lived that a little bit as a kid. Because you can't, if you live in New York, if you grow up in New York, you can't avoid that. Like, it's just everywhere. So I think that that probably helped him too. But listen, that was a very mature, very honest perspective. And I think more and more young quarterbacks and young players who go through this type of thing are comfortable in that because of, A, the way society kind of is today and you're on social media a lot and you've been in the public eye more than maybe even someone like Russell Wilson who has by now been there, but... When he came into the league, he didn't get nearly the attention that a Tommy DeVito did, that a Desmond Ritter did, that other young quarterbacks who have not maybe worked out as well and have had to deal with benching have done, which is part of why I'm so surprised that mm-hmm. Russell Wilson did not talk yesterday because for a guy who cares as much about his image as Russell Wilson does, like, just get it over with, man. Like, what what are you doing? And you're sending out a short tweet. Like, what's this going to look like if he does talk to I'm fascinated to see how he spins this because it will definitely be spin, I think, and not as honest as Tommy DeVito was or when Desmond Ritter was benched as honest mm-hmm. as he was, which is like, I'm. this is still an opportunity that I have wanted my whole life. And, and, you and, and I, there's that perspective in that that I think matters. That's, and you brought up Desmond Ritter. That's where I wanted to go with this because you and I both covered – quarterback situations with our respective teams, myself, the Chicago Bears, you, the Atlanta Falcons, where there have been quarterback switches throughout the season. The Bears, because Justin Fields went down with a thumb injury, they turned to rookie undrafted D2 star Tyson Bajant, who lasted four games in place of Fields before Fields was able to come back from his thumb. And, of course, Taylor Heineke, Desmond Ritter. Desmond Ritter benched twice. And there is something – that you take away as a reporter when you see these younger quarterbacks go through this and just how they handle it. To me, it's as much of the evaluation of who they are as a player as what they do, like then what they do on the field. Like that's a big part of it, but how they can handle the spotlight and the expectations. Like in a place like Chicago, I go to Tyson Bajant and this guy was in Shepherdstown, West Virginia a (laughs) year ago, a division two school. And he was an absolute standout there. And for good reason, But to come to a place that is so quarterback-starved and to handle it the way he did, kind of like what Tommy DeVito was saying, when when Tyson Bajant won that game against the Las Vegas Raiders, you would have thought that, you know, this was like the reincarnation of Jay Cutler, of Jim McMahon, of any of the other good quarterbacks that the Chicago Bears had had over the years. And, like, the conversation locally, at least among some fans, is, hmm, maybe we got something in this Bajan guy. Maybe Justin Fields isn't the answer. Maybe if Justin Fields gets healthy, we don't go back to him. And then when he started losing and he lost that game against the Saints, it's like, oh, man, can't wait till Justin gets back. Like, when you're hot, you're everything. When yeah. you stink or when you have a bad game – in the eyes of like the people who are out here criticizing you, you can do everything wrong and do no right. And I just the ones who can handle that and can shelve that and understand like how to keep that stuff in perspective, but also know that that doesn't define them. Those are the ones who end up succeeding. Those are the ones who end up either going on to bigger roles or being comfortable being in a backup spot and go, getting thrust into the spotlight when they need to throughout their career. And I, and I feel like with Tommy DeVito, you know. He's played his way into being a backup for the Giants next year or a backup for someone else. I mean, he clearly has what it takes. And the thick skin element of it cannot be overstated how important the value of that is. It is, but it also speaks to 
character as people, which gets evaluated, especially in the quarterback position, because you have to be, whether you want to be or not, you have to be a leader on your team if you are the the starting quarterback. And being able to do that and stand up and say, yeah, you know what, I screwed up. Or sometimes it ends up being like a pejorative we or a pejorative, you know, everybody. But you understand when the quarterback is talking a lot of times, we might mean me. Mm-hmm. And I saw that from Desmond Ritter firsthand twice. Like when I say he legitimately took every question, he did. And you want to know what? He's in the locker room every day still. Like yesterday, I mean, I'm on TV here, ESPN2, ESPNU. He came up to me. He's like, I saw you on TV yesterday. Like, I mean, most guys, when they lose a job like that, especially twice, they're going to hide. They're not going to want to be around. He's in there every day. He's still helping lead meetings, right? I, and I think back to Atlanta had a quarterback change last year, Marcus Mariota. When they went from Marcus Mariota to Desmond Ritter, Marcus Mariota became a ghost. Now, he, 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 he had surgery, but, yeah, but he left. He was gone. You didn't see him at the end of the season in locker room cleanout day. You didn't hear from him the rest of the way. And that's a veteran there, similar to Russell Wilson, who understood hey, maybe this is my last shot to be a starter, just gone. Like, mm-hmm. And that tells you a lot, too, about, listen, These are to be fair, these are hard situations. You're, you're losing your job in the public realm, and that's a very difficult thing. Like, we get criticized, Courtney and myself, for our jobs, too, because we also live in very much in the public realm, but not mm-hmm. like this, not like starting quarterbacks in the NFL. So it's a very hard job. So I want to be very clear, like, that that is part of it. And I want to talk more to the fact that when a guy does talk that day, that shows the comfort and the character of the person as much as it does anything that they do on the football field. And that is very important both to a fan base and to the people who cover them and to the people inside that locker room too because now if they have to go back to them, Courtney, at any point in time, whether it's Desmond Ritter, whether it's Tyson Bajan, whether it's a Tommy DeVito, they saw how they handled that. Those things get noticed in locker rooms, Mm -hmm. and that matters. On Sportsmanlike, presented by Progressive Insurance, he's Mike Rothstein. I'm Courtney Cronin. Coming up next, will it be Michigan or Alabama, Washington or Texas, headed to the national championship? We discuss next here, ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Support for this podcast and the following message comes from Wise, the account that helps you manage your money all around the world. Dining in dollars, doing business and bot, wherever life takes you, the Wise account helps you send, spend, and receive in different currencies fast. Wise is the easy way to connect all of your finances internationally. Buying that dream property in Portugal? Done. Freelancing in France? No problem. Sending money back to mom? Simple. All without hidden fees or exchange rate markups. Minimum fees, maximum ease, full speed. Join 16 million customers and learn how the Wise account could work for you by downloading the app or visiting wise.com slash unsportsmanlike. This is the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio. It all starts tomorrow. The New Year's Six Bowl Games, Goodyear, Cotton Bowl Classic. That's on ESPN, Missouri and Ohio State, the Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl. On Saturday, between Ole Miss and Penn State, the Capital One Orange Bowl, Georgia, and perennially snubbed Florida State. I think they still have a gripe uh, with the CFP committee, the Verbo Fiesta Bowl, Liberty and Oregon. And then 
the big ones, the granddaddy of them all, the playoff semifinal at the Rose Bowl game presented by Prudential. That has Alabama as a four seed and Michigan as the one seed. Playoff semifinal at the All-State Sugar Bowl. Make sure I get all those sponsors in there. Texas and Washington. And then a week from now, we'll be gearing up for the national championship between those four teams, whittling down to two on January 8th. It's on Sportsman like Courtney Kern and Mike Rothstein sitting in for Evan Canty and Michelle on this Thursday morning. And I I know that we've talked a lot about Michigan on the field, but we've also talked a lot about Michigan off the field and the whole idea that this Jim Harbaugh notice of allegations that came down from the NCAA last Friday, the level one violations, there was a level two violation in there. What does that mean for the Michigan Wolverines right now? What does it mean in the future? Jim Harbaugh yesterday at one of their media days kind of put the kibosh on it for right now, like talking about his NFL future, which no one is surprised about. He's not going to entertain any conversation about that, Mike, until after these games get, after they get done playing these games, because why would you open that door when there is already so many distractions uh, surrounding this team? I just wonder, because like so far, they have been able to push all of it to the back burner, become the number one overall seed, rip through their schedule this year, rip through the Big Ten championship, undefeated season, no contest against Iowa in the Big Ten title game. Like, this is not the normal four seed, though, that they're facing in Alabama, kind of similar to what the committee did last year with Georgia, the one seed, getting a not-so-normal number four seed in Ohio State. It is. With Michigan – it's possible, and we were talking about this with Paul Feinbaum yesterday, and you'll hear from him in a second, that it is possible that maybe Michigan, because they have gone through two suspensions of Jim Harbaugh this season already, can thrive in chaos. And that's something that can be very valuable for you in close games, in a college football playoff scenario, where there is so much attention on you. But to the Jim Harbaugh point, it doesn't behoove Jim Harbaugh to say anything right now also, because, Courtney, as you know, and, and we both cover the NFL, we both may have coaching searches, we may not, the way that the NFL coaching uh, carousel and the hiring process has now been changed, it's slowed up a little bit. So by the time the regular season is over and they fire people, that's the same night as the national championship game. Mm-hmm. So Jim Harbaugh doesn't have to answer those questions because – it's not like someone's going to be able to hire him anyway because of the process. So he, if he does want to go to the NFL, which we don't know, then he can go and do that once Michigan season's over and kind of go like this and do whatever he wants. It's changed in the last few years because of what the NFL has done. So I think that that's helped out in some ways Jim Harbaugh in this scenario if he does indeed want to go back to the NFL. It's like this team's become so good, though, at adapting to all of the distractions around them, whether it was the first suspension, which was originally four games, they agreed upon three games. That was the non-conference portion of their schedule. And then it was the suspension for sign stealing, which he was suspended for three games at the end of the regular season, one of which was, you know, the Ohio State game, the Penn State game, Sharon Moore, their offensive coordinator, ended up having no trouble getting that team to play to a certain level. Now, all of this other stuff, it feels like this team is so conditioned to having to block out that proverbial outside noise. And like you alluded to there, we had Paul Feinbaum on yesterday. Paul Feinbaum, the host of the Paul Feinbaum Show, 3 p.m. Eastern time on the SEC Network and over on the ESPN app. He had this to say about the mindset that Michigan carries into this game amid yet another controversy. 
considering this season began in turmoil, it ended in turmoil. I, I don't see how any of this really matters to this program right now. They, they played six games uh, w- without the head coach uh, and really uh, perhaps the most important game of the year. So, I mean, they almost seem impenetrable when it comes to Harbaugh. I think Michigan is perfectly fine but with this controversy. I mean, they're, they're built for it. On Sportsmanlike is presented by Progressive Insurance, Courtney Cronin, Mike Rothstein, that was Paul Feinbaum, talking about what Michigan's dealt with this year and how they've become conditioned to dealing with all of the distractions. Now, not to be this person, but, you know, the Ohio State team that they faced, the Penn State team that they faced, even the Maryland team that they faced, a little different to have the distractions amid those opponents versus a Nick Saban-coached Alabama team. Jim Harbaugh will be there. There's also, like, it's not like he's not coaching in this game. It's just that there's been so much time in between the championship round the first week of December to where a month later we see these two teams play. I just, I I would fear if I'm Michigan, this is not a normal four seed. Jalen Milrow, when we last saw Jalen Milrow, was a different guy the month of November leading into that SEC championship game. You've given Nick Saban a month to pick you apart. Hire somebody from your staff onto his staff, more or less as a scout. So kind of playing 40 chess, it feels like. Um, I don't know. How do you size this up? Because I have a hard time not picking Alabama, considering what they did to Georgia in the SEC title game, and that you've given a rejuvenated Nick Saban time to beat you in a lot of respects. I get that. Michigan, to me, feels like the best team in the country. They do. And they have an experienced quarterback. This is a team that's also been there before, much like Alabama. So if, say, Michigan was Washington or Texas in this scenario, I would absolutely pick Alabama. But the fact that Michigan has experience in these types of games with a large portion of this team, they're not going to be as, I don't want to say fearful of Alabama, but they're not going to be as intimidated is probably the better term by Alabama, by facing an SEC team, because they have been on these stages for the last couple of years. Jim Harbaugh is coaching a Super Bowl. So even from a coaching perspective, it's not like Kalen DeBoer or Steve Sarkeesian where it's like, oh, how's this going to go? Michigan, I think, has a real shot here. I don't know if they're going to win, but I don't think that this is like an absolute Alabama you pick them scenario because – Michigan has been playing incredibly good football all year. They've also beat Ohio State. And Ohio State's not that far off from Michigan or from Alabama, Texas, or Washington. Like, this is a team that is an incredibly talented team. Had some quarterback issues, but an incredibly talented team. And they handled them. They handled them. So, I'm not really – I sit there and I'm not like, okay, I I think that this is an Alabama – obvious win i think it's going to be a very competitive game maybe one of the more competitive semifinals we've seen in a long time other than the georgia ohio state game last year which frankly marvin harrison doesn't get hurt ohio state potentially beats georgia in that game coming down to what happened there in the fourth quarter and of course tcu michigan was quite a thriller in its own right michigan hoping to be on the other side of that this year headed to the national championship instead of headed home and into more questions about jim harbaugh and where he is going to be coaching in 2024 all right we'll leave this one here the most unsportsmanlike moment of the day coming up next here on unsportsmanlike courtney crone and mike rothstein but first this from pivot seats 
Bowl season, basketball, hockey, and pro football are in action, and Vivid Seats has it all for you and your ticket gifting needs this holiday season. See every one-timer, every touchdown, and every slam dunk live and in person with great deals on great seats. Plus, with Vivid Seats Rewards, you earn rewards with every purchase. They're here for us fans, offering unbeatable rewards like surprise seat upgrades, free tickets, annual birthday discounts, and more. Visit VividSeats.com or download the app today. Vivid Seats, the official ticketing partner of ESPN. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Reggie White, who's a defensive end for the Green Bay Packers, says that the firebombing of his church in Knoxville, Tennessee this week was the work of racists who may have been trying to hurt him. First there was one fire, then there was another, then there was another. It wasn't just Reggie's church that burnt down. Hundreds of churches burned in the 90s. I think we have a major problem in our country that we don't want to admit, and that has to do with racism. Was this 1996 or 1956? 30 for 30 podcast and Antsgate presents Through the Flames. Listen now wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Unsportsmanlike Podcast on ESPN Radio. I've got one that takes the cake. Of any of the Unsportsmanlike <laughs> moments of the day that we've mentioned throughout the show this week, Courtney Cronin, Mike Rostein sitting in for Evan Canty and Michelle throughout the Christmas holiday and into New Year's, what Jair Alexander did, the <laughs> Packers cornerback, in their game at Carolina in Week 16, was among the most baffling, bizarre, and head-scratching moments I think I've ever been privy to witness. And you need to hear from the cornerback himself. This was following the game in the locker room in Carolina, describing why and what compelled him to go out for the coin toss as a captain, which you cannot do unless you are a captain. There are rules against this, and nearly cost his team a possession. So were you supposed to be a captain? Because the team announces the three game captains and you were the fourth and you called a toss. What happened there? Oh, yeah, I mean, you know, it's only suiting, you know. I don't think Coach knew I was from Charlotte, you know, so. So you just did that on your own? I mean, I mean, you know, I mean, it was like a, you know, the guys backed me up, you know, so they, they knew I was from here. Did you realize you almost made a big mistake on the call, though? What'd I do? Well, you said we want to go on defense. Yeah. Which in theory could they could have said, then you're electing to kick to to uh, kick off, which you would have lost the opportunity then yeah. to receive in the second half. Yeah, no, I told them that uh, I said uh, I want I want our defense to be out there, and they all looked at me like I was crazy. I'm like, I mean, it's pretty simple what I said. Like I want the defense to be out there. They like you mean defer? I'm like, yeah, I guess. Oh my goodness. <laughs> he went on to say that like people were looking at him crazy in the you know the captain's meeting at at midfield and they were laughing and that's when that's when I lost it in watching this video and you can go see it it's on my Twitter account at Courtney R Cronin on Twitter Mike's at Mike Ross team like 
his logic, his rationale for, hey, Jair, why'd you just join the captain's meeting? Uh, you're not a captain. You're not one of the three that they had sent out there. He's like, well, I'm from Charlotte, and my guys thought it was okay. They backed me up on it. What? Like, what is going on here with any of this? Like, first off, this guy just got paid a boatload of money not long ago. Like, he's not dumb. He may have sounded not the brightest in that comment. But when he said, we want to start out on defense, like, that's the cardinal rule of what you never do. Like, you'll never say... Let the captains who go out there, coin toss, call heads, tails, whatever, like, will kick. Because the official could interpret that as you deciding that you're going to make the choice to be like between, like, opening the game on the kickoff and then the other team making its choice in the second half. Like, th- this is about possession. You, may- you almost cost your team a possession here, Jair Alexander, which then led to the news of Wednesday from the Green Bay Packers organization that uh, he suspended a week for conduct detrimental to the team. Um this obviously is a pretty serious manner for Green Bay. Like, I mean, nobody nobody died. Nobody got hurt. Like, this is obviously an internal situation that they're not happy about. But I, I just – I'm dumbfounded by this. Like, this is just one of the silliest things in a sport filled with stupid stuff that happens every single day. <laughs> this – I've watched that video a hundred times. And him with his sunglasses on trying to make sense of this and not sounding like he has any damn clue where a where he is b what he's talking about by far the unsportsmanlike moment of the week i'll go ahead and dub it that well the two things there too is one he basically said well my head coach doesn't know where i'm from which is almost (laughs) throwing lafleur under the bus a little bit because head coaches are supposed to know a lot about especially their star players right like any head coach I've covered, the good, bad, or mediocre, have all known like a lot about their star players. And that's like a pretty basic fact where you're from, right? Like that's the first thing. He kind of low key did that. And then the second part of it, the Packers suspended him for such an important game mm-hmm. because they need to win this game to really have any shot still in the playoffs. Like they have to because they're six and eight or seven and eight rather. They have to win this game and that because they're playing Minnesota. Like, And you're suspending your best cornerback, maybe your best defensive player. That says to me, A, they took it very seriously. They're trying to send a message to Jair Alexander. And B, now I'm wondering if behind the scenes there has been more that's been going on that's led to this because of the severity and the importance of what they're going to be doing on Sunday night. Can you imagine just like – going YOLO and saying, all right, bump this. I'm going out there for the kickoff. It's my decision. (laughs) Like, why did somebody not, like, run on the field and get him? Like, you're allowed to, I would imagine, it's not going to, you're not going to get penalized for, hey, 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 like, if if, you've never seen it because captains usually know who they are before the game, and you usually don't have people, like, running in there saying, all right, I'm just going to take this matters into my own hands. Like, why didn't somebody not stop him when they see, oh, wait, is that – is that Jerry Alexander out there? Like, get him over here. What is he doing? How did no one realize that before he ends up getting out there and speaking? How did any of his teammates in the captain's meeting say, okay, well, Jair's apparently talking. Wait, Jair, wait, are you sure you're a captain this week? I'm pretty sure we had the meeting between the three of us of what we were going to do because before they go out there, they decide, all right, what are we calling? Heads, tails. When, and when we find out, did we win the toss? Did we lose the toss? Are we electing to receive? Are we electing to defer? Which... Clearly, he's never done this before because those are the only two things that you are allowed to say along with picking which end zone um, 
you know, when they when they tell you, like, you know, if you win the toss, like, which end zone you're going to defend or, you know, or go towards first. But how did nobody stop him? Like, I, I, I got to call the Green Bay Packers on – they got to get the unsportsmanlike moment, too, for the fact that they just let this happen. Well, yeah, the other t- the other captains that were out there, they were actually supposed to be captains. <laughs> Why did you let him talk? Like, or were they just so confused, here. too, of, like, what are you doing here? Like, what is it that you say you do here, sir? Like, I mean, that seriously, like, that, that was what's going through my head. I, I don't know. By the way, you heard our, our own Rob Domofsky asking him that question of, like, you Rob sounded so annoyed in that moment. He's like, you realize, like, what this <laughs> is, right? Like, I could just picture Rob kind of like when we were talking about at the start of the show with Jeff Dickerson, that sardonic humor that they both have. Like, Rob seemed so perturbed. Like, you oh, yeah. moron. Do you know what you did in this moment? It's not funny. It's not like, oh, like everybody's laughing at me because I'm out here saying we want to play defense first. Like, it's just, it's out of control. I've... I don't know if I like it, you know being I've never had something like this happen in a game like that I've covered. Um, definitely had like officiating blunders or moments that like you have to ask about in the pool report. Nothing funny though. Like I know this is funny to us. Certainly not funny to the Green Bay Packers. No. But the way that this played out, there I don't know if we're gonna have another moment on unsportsmanlike this week that will fall into the category of unsportsmanlike moment of the day more than something that just costs somebody his job for a game. Yeah, I mean that's the other thing too. It costs Jair Alexander a paycheck. Yeah, that's that. And that Who knows that's if he'll no be back next matter. year too? I mean, like this kind of feels like all right. Maybe the writing's going to be on the wall that he's not brought back next year. Maybe they trade him. Maybe they move on. And clearly, Mike, you were onto something there. I think that this speaks to some stuff going on behind the scenes. Because usually, if you're a player and not disgruntled and everything's cool, you're not just like going rogue and uh, joining the captains' meeting and nearly costing your team. It's chance at a possession in a very critical game. Um, that's going to do it for us here. Mike Wells, Gabe Neitzel coming back on Greeny coming up next. And we'll be back tomorrow. See ya. Thanks for listening to the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio. You can listen to Unsportsmanlike live weekdays from 6 to 10 a.m. Eastern on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and on Sirius XM Channel 80. You can also watch on ESPN2 and on ESPNU. Unsportsmanlike with Evan Canty and Michelle. Death is the only punishment here. Now streaming, FX's Shogun. My master asks, what do you seek here? To vanquish our common enemies. Based on the global bestseller by James Clavell. War is coming. The epic saga of war, passion, and power. Let it come. FX's Shogun. Now streaming on Hulu.